0: Welcome back to another edition of our Finding Our Way podcast, our uh, weekly conversation with uh, Southridge members, for Southridge members, to give people the inside scoop of what's going on. Uh, I'm joined here today by one of our longtime elders, Rocco Maiolo. Rock, say hi to everybody.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And uh, just to let all of us uh, into your life, especially those of us who aren't familiar with you and your uh, kind of backstory, can you give us a bit on your personal background?
1: Sure. I'm uh, 58, uh, recently retired from 30 years of teaching, Uh, married to Doris, have three wonderful grown children who um, all live in KW, and a granddaughter uh, who uh, his other grandfather said of her that uh, she will soon become uh, the intellectual superior. So wickedly smart granddaughter (laughs) of whom we are very proud, and uh, yeah, uh, used to be in a band called children's band called outside the lines we did that for 10 years it was pretty cool experience and uh uh one thing i just had to throw in there for your sake jeff because i knew this would make you happy i'm a i'm a big habs fan
0: Oh, this is going to get difficult quickly. <laughs> I, I was actually going to encourage you, Rock, back in the day when you, you mentioned this Outside the Lines, remember my kids were super into this and uh, had that video that you guys had produced of all your songs. And uh, I remember one of the days you came over to our house and my oldest son, Owen, he was just a little kid at the time. He was just so enamored by what he referred to as Jim, Randy and Rocco. And when one of the Outside the Lines guys was in his own house, it was like it was like the hero of all heroes had, had shown up it was pretty
1: funny that uh that never got um comfortable it was just always kind of never wrapped our heads around that kind of thing happening so whenever that kind of thing happened we're like really that's just so odd like yeah. we would be in uh pen or lumber in virgil and kids would be peeking around their parents going that's outside the lines so anyways yeah. that was fun you
0: were famous at one point yeah it was yeah. a
1: fun 10-year run
0: now uh the backstory on how you ended up as part of our church you've been here for a number of years
1: yeah. So we had been part of a church. Um, I had been part of the church since I was a, in my late teens up to around 40, and Doris and I got married in that church. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good things I could say about the friendships and the community and the, the serving that we did. But things kind of went a little off the rails uh, in the late um, 90s, and so we, it was unhealthy, and we felt we needed to, to, to move uh, out of that church situation, so I recall um, visiting other churches, and uh, we we liked a lot of other places that we visited, but we never felt the kind of the the go ahead from God. This is going to become home. So at at that time, it would have been the early two thousands. Uh, the band outside the lines, the kids band that I'd, I'd mentioned earlier, did a gathering. If you recall, the the big. Yeah. Uh, worship yeah, the event. worship event, Yeah, the with, gathering. With Fowler. Yeah. So he asked outside the lines to do a gathering with him. Uh, we rehearsed uh, uh, what was then Fairview Louth back in the country. And uh, we decided one Sunday morning to visit Fairview Louth. And uh, I love telling this story because it's pretty funny. So uh, we got in the car, packed the kids up. And uh, this whole time, Kayla had been wanting to go to what she referred to as the love church. We had no clue what she was talking about. So we get in the car. We're on our way uh, here. And uh, I said, Doris, you know where we're going, right? And she's like, no. You were there for a rehearsal. You know where you're going, right? No. So we had no clue. This is before the day of GPS. Wow. So we're driving down the highway. And I'm like, I think it was out in the country here. So let's take 7th and we're having a fight on the way to church we're <laughs> arguing with each other and doris says let's follow these people i bet you they're going to fairview louth and we're going i said that's the craziest idea ever but what other choice do we have so we follow this random car and it ends up in the parking lot of fairview louth oh, wow. uh got through the doors and uh you know the cliche that uh, they had us from hello they had us from hello mm-hmm. i mean we still speak fondly of uh of yourself and uh, Irvin, Av Krauss and Fowler, just making us feel right at home from from the very first uh, time we stepped foot through the doors. Mm. And one thing's led to another since there. Yeah.
0: Now, for uh, over a decade, uh, you've been serving uh, with a group that I spend a lot of time with called our Board of Elders. Can you give just a little bit of the backstory on how you ended up becoming an elder? Because that's always fascinating, too.
1: Yeah, so... <clears throat> Uh, After our our 10-plus-year run of Outside the Lines, I remember having a conversation with you, Jeff, and and saying that um, it was a really rich, intense 10-plus years of of ministry while we were working full-time. Loved it, um, felt God really richly involved in our lives through it, and missing it. Um, Because you go from doing something like that to serving— um, in, in little capacities here and there, but missing that that big thing in your life that you really feel um, God is involved in and is blessing people. Yeah, that's
0: fully intensive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was ready for something, and I was praying for something to come along that would um, involve my calling and my passion. And uh, I, I remember passing on a couple of volunteer opportunities because I felt God had something... that that thing which was bigger that was going to come along and um, I was nominated, went through the interview process, I was chosen and the the rest is nine years of great years of history. The rest
0: is history. Um, We've already had a podcast discussion with the chair of our uh, Board of Elders team, Joan Hyatt. Uh, just explaining in a greater detail the role of governance that the elders play. But uh, just in a few sentences, can you summarize that in your own words and what you'd want our members to know about governance?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so the, the metaphor I really like is guardrail. And I like the metaphor guardrail. Like on the one hand, it's it's a bit of a negative metaphor, and that's okay. Um, because what guardrails do is it keeps vehicles from going off the road into a ditch and into a gully and causing harm, right? So I mean that sounds kind of scary and ominous, but we we do we do protect. Yeah, they're protective for we, sure. We protect congregation. We protect staff from from uh, getting into trouble. The other thing I was kind of just this morning I was I was thinking about that metaphor of guardrail. It's it also it's a um, destination metaphor. So the other Governance thing that I see about guard railing is yes, it's a safety thing, but it's also it also has an eye to destination and it has an eye to where we're going. It's guidance. Yeah. So from an overarching big picture uh, point of view, we we do have um uh kind of a say, or um, that's not the right word I want. We do have a kind of a. I guess well, I'll use the word say into into, into where we're an influence in, into where we're going and how we're getting there.
0: Yeah. We, we often summarize, interesting to say that we often summarize and we've had governance consultants come in and in an oversimplified way, summarize the role of oversight and governance as directing and protecting. So, you right. know, the metaphor of the guardrails does capture uh, both of those uh, images, I think pretty well. Rock, um, before you were an elder, I'll ask it this way: Like, what did you what did you think the role of elder was, or how has the role of eldership and governance changed in the almost decade that you've now been a part of it, actively serving
1: in that capacity? Right. Um, yeah. So I had all kinds of weird and wonderful and bizarre thoughts as to to what an elder was. For, so for my observation, um, it seemed to me like. Um, like elders were either rubber stamping what uh, some pastors wanted to happen, or an elder was um, serving what a congregation ultimately decided and voted on. So I didn't really, I didn't really see an elder in real terms from from what I had observed. Very positively, uh, read scripture and I, I saw what an elder should be. Um, so what government what governance has, has shown me here, and that's not to disparage other churches in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot of great boards, there's a lot of great elders, there's a lot of great models out there. So I don't mean to to be negative. It's just that I was kind of was a little confused because because yeah, of, of the negative experiences I would had.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they were either negative or or in the best case scenario benign. Yes. Right? They they were just sort of placebo <laughs> right. governance, uh, not real governance. Yeah. And and often, you know, for people who are part of the church and even for members who are part of the church, even though we're, we're kind of involved in the ministry, because it's invisible and because the visible leadership that we so often see are the pastoral staff and teachers and, you know, kind of the front and center leaders we assume that that's where the exclusive epicenter of leadership comes from and that there's actually no other influence. We often have a hard time even buying that there's a group that can have effect or influence on those people. And yet now that you've been in it, you've been able to kind of experience, hey, this group does provide a guiding role in directing and protecting. Right. Yeah. Um, Anything else that you'd want our members just to know about the role of elder that they might not be aware of? Any peculiarities that... Yeah, I never um, realized.
1: First, so from a very, very personal um, point of view, I remember early on being. um, There is a point to the story, I promise, Jeff. So early on, I remember being called boss by a couple of members on staff, and I remember balking at that, and I remember balking at it because I wasn't comfortable with the idea of being a boss. Um, But what I've learned since is that is that in in a real sense. Um, we, elders, directors have been given the authority to, to do what we need to do, and it's an awesome and humbling um, authority that we've been given. Um, I think part of the reason why I balked at the word boss is because we need to re- be reminded of the fact that ultimately, a church is is a different organization than other organizations because ultimately God is the boss. Right. So God has entrusted the board of directors with authority. But we are ultimately, so what's humbling is that we're answerable to him, and we have this mutual respect uh, with our leadership staff, whom if we need to correct, we are very willing to correct if that needs to happen. But there's this kind of awesome mutual respect, and uh, we are always reminded of the fact that God is the ultimate uh, boss. Uh, He's in charge of his kingdom, and we're... we're, um, his workmanship. Yeah, you're stewarding
0: that responsibility right. aligned to his vision and ideals that you are collectively as a group discerning in the scriptures to implement and uphold, especially among our senior leaders. Right. And it is it is an awesome responsibility that I'm, I'm eager to talk about uh, in this podcast. Before we do, though, uh, just one other uh, kind of personal discussion, because uh, at some level, this is an awkward podcast because... You know, in, in celebrating the history of your family around here and in you on the board, um, you guys are actually in the process of leaving our church. That's right. And mm. uh, <laughs> he said that rather quickly. <laughs> yep, we're
1: out of here. Well, here's why I said it quickly. Because uh, people such as yourself and uh, Chris Fowler do not hesitate to tell me... In uh, no unspoken, uh, no uh, undefined terms, that perhaps I'm not hearing from God correctly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've we've had a hard time absorbing so, this so that's, that's
1: why I shut you guys down real quick and go, "No, we're moving."
0: And for those of us uh, maybe who are new to membership and to our uh, internal conversations, back this fall, uh, we sent out a membership communique about this that uh, you and your wife have decided to uh, actually move, physically relocate to another uh, town in the Ontario area. Um, can you just talk for those of us who aren't aware of what's going on,
1: uh, (laughs) while you're leaving the church? (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, our, our kids, our grown children are all in uh, the Kitchener Waterloo area and we have a granddaughter. Um, So one of our our kids was living with us for about a year. And so we were in kind of that stage in life where you're empty nest and now you're not empty nest. And your one kid's at university and now he's got a co-op and he's living at home. And so we were in that world for for several years. Um, But eventually when our, our last child moved to Waterloo... Uh, and we, you know, the granddaughter was a total game changer. We we were visiting, we found ourselves driving up there and visiting all the time, wanting to, uh, to look after our granddaughter Grace while our daughter was working. And um, I think one of the tipping points for me was talking to someone who had moved to Ottawa to be with his children and grandchildren. And uh, that person said to us, we wished we had done it earlier, because he moved when his grandchildren were five, seven, and nine. Mm. And that was a bit of a tipping point. We were like, you know what? We want to be there for baseball games. We want to be there for... Just yesterday, my daughter called and said she had a flat tire. We want to be there to be able to help out with stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, just to close the loop on that, um, I would want the members that are listening to this to know that this was not an easy conversation and it's a decision. And it's still not easy to think about... Leaving Southridge behind. Uh, I don't want to get emotional here, so let me just pause. <laughs> yeah, we love this place. We love these people. We love the mission. We love the vision. This this has been home. We we believed we we would never find a church like this, and we found this. So leaving is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. I know that
0: most of our conversation, Rock, has been specific to the board because obviously leaving the church kind of presumes that that's a resignation as well and we've been kind of leading up to that transition obviously we're not sure about the exact timing of it because you guys are in the process of like buying and selling houses to to relocate to the kw area but from the board perspective what will you miss the most from your time being being an elder what are you going to miss the most about being an elder here
1: yeah a couple of things one one is uh the friendship uh, the camaraderie. When you spend, I was just crunching the numbers this morning, it's it's well over 100 hours a year easily. When you spend that much time with people that uh, that you like, it's one thing if you're spending that much time with people you didn't like, that would suck. But when you're spending that much time with quality people that you, you love, um, and they love God, and you're, you're doing mission together, um, I'm going to really miss that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I know you've you've mentioned to us on the board, and I'm sure to Fowler, who's been trying to question your sense of call. Yeah. That's his sense of call. Is
1: Unabab- to question, unab- question. Unabashedly,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's what, half of what he gets paid to do. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, we've talked oh, about... Oh, wait, wait. Time out. So you've put him up to this. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. exactly. He's, he's my henchman. Okay. Um, you know, you've talked about obviously coming back, visiting friends and family, and and being in Niagara once in a while, and, and checking in with the church, but, you know, from a from a... A congregation, or from a membership perspective, what will you miss the most about being a part of Southridge day to day? Everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't name one thing. I guess if I were, if you were to force me to, to name one thing, it would be the people, the brothers and sisters, the friends that we've uh, we've made. So yeah, from a congregant point of view, it would be that. But it's so difficult to. Pin it down to one thing because what what we Doris and I love about Southridge um, is the mission and the um, the call the vision uh, what we do you I'm sure you've noticed that when I pray in elder meetings I often pray uh, with a sense of wonder and humility of, of that we get to help further God's kingdom together it's just awesome and that's not that i not that that doesn't happen in other places and our prayer is that we will plug into somewhere in kitchener waterloo that we can have that sense but i think what we have here at the risk of not sounding humble is really special mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll miss that special sense of uh of purpose and vision yeah and
0: in 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 an ongoing kind of an up close personal way know that we're going to miss you immensely too uh we've been we've been laying that on thick for the <laughs> oh, last yeah. number of months and, and oh, yeah. we'll continue to probably even after, after the time we're yeah. gone. But, yeah, little,
1: uh, just a little inside scoop. Uh, they won't even let me, they don't even want me to sit in the comfortable chairs in elder meetings. They're like, right, right. you're leaving, you sit in the uncomfortable Yeah, We chair. have a finite number of comfortable oh, chairs uh, they're, around the, they're the boardroom. They and, love me, uh, but they're ruthless.
0: Yeah. Well, you've, you've walked yourself into that. Um <laughs> Rock, that brings us to what I, I want to ultimately camp out on in this edition of our podcast. And that is uh, the vacancy that you're going to leave that we're going to try to replace. And uh, every time that happens, we launch what we call an eldership appointment process. And I'm really hoping uh, that through this podcast, not only can our members become more familiar with this process and with the importance and kind of the dynamics of it, uh, but ultimately out of that information so that they can actively engage in in the process. We're, we're going to be launching this uh, this coming Sunday uh, on the 3rd of March. And it's actually a a four-month intensive process that you've been through, not only as a, a, a participant yourself in becoming an elder, but also now in overseeing and 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 engaging in that process to discern other elders. The last few times that we've done it, so uh, just for orientation's sake, can you describe how this four-month eldership appointment
1: process works? Sure, absolutely. So. Uh, normally, there's there's around a, a month of uh, so. There's an announcement that that we need uh, to select an elder or two, and then there's a month of uh, of where the congregation gets to reflect and think about it and pray about uh, nominating someone. Well, we in this instance we have we've had more than a month because I announced you know several several months ago. So, so after that month of uh, reflection, there's um, a couple of weeks where um, People are nominated, and um, those people get get some time to to consider whether they want to let their name stand. Uh, there's a couple of uh, weeks where those nominees respond and tell us yes, they'd like to go through with it. Uh, no, not at this time. They're honored, but you know, li- life situations would have it that they're not ready, or maybe in the future. Um, and then there's a couple of weeks where we set up interviews with people that are willing to let their names stand, uh, after which we announce which elder or two we would like to, to be on, on the board with us, um, after which time there's a, a month where we pray, we consider, we hear from the congregations if there's any concerns, and uh, then we announce the name.
0: Yeah, and just affirm that then formally as a as a membership. Um, so I hope people are kind of tracking with the, the timeline Rock's describing here. The, the four months are bookended by months of prayer. First month is mm. prayer to reflect on prospective nominees. The last month is prayer to reflect on the nominees that have been recommended by the board for the membership to affirm or, in that case, reject. Uh, ideally, in that final month, if you had an issue, especially one based on biblical grounds, uh, where you knew something that would make a recommended elder unsuitable, that you would come to the board and, and let them know in advance, and perhaps we could modify things. But the, the first and fourth months are prayer. You know, the second month is all about the nominations the front half making the nominations and the second half responding to the nominations. And then the third month, that really, that's the meat and potatoes. That's the interview and discernment process that the board conducts with, like you said, nominees that have allowed their name to stand. Um, any any kind of personal learnings, either as a participant or as someone who's been driving the process recently uh, or observations, just... just to share with our membership about the process itself, what would you want a member to know just about, about how this process works? uh, Given that, you know, most of us don't get to be part of it in the, in the inside kind of observer way.
1: So I I would want, would want people to know that it's um, an incredibly valuing and um, honoring process. And I would also want people to know that it's, it's a great process to go through, um, even if you don't get chosen, like a lot of a lot of people that don't that go through the interview process and don't get chosen, uh, it's not a hard no, never. What do you think you're doing here? It's more of a maybe not at this time, but but please stick around and and serve, and uh, we we love to have you around and maybe in the future. So it's a it's a huge uh, the process is a huge learning experience for me. It was a uh, it, it it's kind of an almost an intense self-reflective, uh, time where you, you get to inventory what's going on in your, in your heart, in your life with your gifting. So it's an incredibly valuable process.
0: Yeah. It's a very, I find it, especially through the length of it, it's a very comprehensive call discernment process, not just for the board and not just for the church, you know, kind of vicariously through the board and, and in partnership with the board, um, it's, it's a, a comprehensive call discernment process for every person that gets nominated and for every person that reflects on whether they're going to go through the process and, and especially for those who do. It's, it's, and like you said, the no's, you know, if, if someone isn't getting recommended at that time, some of them are no's because of fit issues. Some of them are no's because of developmental, hey, maybe it's not the time or they're not yet ready for that. Um, but it, it it almost always seems like it's good for the individual. Absolutely. And they've grown through mm. the process. And and certainly I'd wanna say for our membership, on behalf of our leadership, it, it in a lot of ways, Rock, you know it's always good for the church. Mm-hmm. For people to go through the process, Re- regardless. I, I, I remember one person, um, when they were considering whether to, to go through the process, they, they spoke with a, a family member of theirs who was an elder at a different church to kind of help them reflect on whether they should go through the process. And their advice kind of is the advice that I would extend to anyone if they ever asked me personally, do you think I should let my name stand? Do you think I should go through the process? Th- this, this, this family member of this perspective participants said to them, hey, I would always encourage you to make sure that your church is led by nobody worse than you. (laughs) I I love that. And Um, it sounds kind of crude, but it's a great axiom to say, you know what, if there are better options that God has than me, great, but for the sake of my church community, I'm going to make sure that it's no worse than me, no more, <clears throat> you know, no less suitable than me, no less appropriate than me. And that might be kind of a backhanded way of encouraging people to yeah. be motivated in the process, but it it, it rings true, doesn't
1: it? Absolutely. I, I'd also add that from, um, so that's from the nominated person's perspective, whether or not he or she gets chosen. From From our perspective, I would add that the process has been valuable because we have met some, awesome people that we've had an inkling. Some people have known a little more about this individual on the board and some people don't know anything about this individual. We've met some incredible people that are uh, beautiful, giving, serving, gifted individuals who, who, now that we know them, we can encourage them to check out this opportunity and maybe go to the... uh, uh, leadership conference in August. Uh, so yeah, it's, it, from our perspective, it's really cool to meet some uh, some very beautiful, gifted uh, individuals. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, now, I just want to press in uh, again for our awareness and kind of preparation for this Sunday's launch um, and, and get kind of under the hood of some of the criteria of what it is that we're actually looking and praying for in these individuals. And in this kind of comprehensive calling discernment uh, season, um, we, we often talk internally about these four C's, right? The character of a person, the competence wow. of a person, the chemistry of a person, and the cultural fit of a person. So let's just whistle through those a little bit. When it, when it comes to the first things first, the character of a person... Uh, I guess why. First of all, why is that? First things first, and then what? What are we looking for when it comes to the character of a person?
1: Yeah, there's a high bar for eldership in Scripture, and what we're looking for the character um, character of a person is is someone uh, that's beyond reproach, and when you that's that's very biblical. And what does that mean? Well, what the, what that means is is uh, they have a character that's Unassailable, unimpeachable—it's—it's it's a good character. None of us is perfect, so we're not looking for perfect people, but we're looking for for someone uh, that has a a solid reputation um, of character. The yeah. fruit of the spirits, uh, all happening there, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. The 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 language when you say above reproach, the the word reproach is actually more translate more accurately translated as disgrace. Like, it's above disgrace or embarrassment. And the the whole idea, gang, is that the people who ultimately become members of our board of elders add respectability and add credibility to our church and leadership. That's the kind of the bottom line net impact of that character requirement. The other comment I, I guess I would say that I'd be interested in you speaking to, Rock, is because of the intensity of what the board often invests itself in intensity of like delicate theological matters or personnel issues, or even relational conflicts or, you know, heavily intensive pastoral issues. There actually is quite a, a moment by moment character that you're leaning into in those intensive times in the board members themselves, where it doesn't just matter on paper, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. It matters in the real, the real functioning of of an elder. It, it might not it might not seem obvious to a member that you know there's a high degree of character required to sit around a a room and talk once a month. Right. And at some level, there probably isn't. But in the activity of an elder, uh, it can get pretty intense at times, and you 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 lean into that character more than you think
1: yeah the weight so another way of looking at looking at that um I appreciate the way you've just described that um the weight of what we deal with requires a character that's not gonna be come flaked out or angry or whatever fill in the blank of of uh of negative characteristics right so you you need to have a solid character to deal with the weight of what we deal with and whether that's uh, an important uh uh, theological issue, or whether that's dealing with conflict—you know, people that are in conflict. You you want to uh, deal with them in a loving, biblical way, in a humble way. But ultimately, we, uh, in some ways, we're—if if you're going to be a fixer, uh, you need to have character that's that's beyond disgrace yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, it's hypocrisy, right? Yeah. You think about
0: even—I'm thinking about real time—that the image used at the beginning of the guardrail. You know the guardrail only kind of activates in a in a a very intensive kind of crash or crisis situation, and I, I I just hope our members can appreciate so much of the activity of elders is so high stakes and so high intensity and in a lot of cases frankly quite high stress that uh, the 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 depth and strength of rootedness of character. Uh, it matters more than you probably can appreciate. So
1: yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm an English guy, English teacher guy. So yeah, the metaphor just to continue with that idea, the, the metaphor of the guardrail. That guardrail had better be pretty strong, right? Yeah, so yeah. there, there's that character thing again. It can't be made of uh, styrofoam or pool, pool <laughs> yeah, noodles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, second criteria.
0: Then uh, we we look for we consider competence. And we're not just talking about again attend a meeting, you know, participate in a discussion kind of competence. From from your experience, what sorts of competencies are we primarily looking for when it comes to members of our board of elders?
1: I just think of uh, there there are a lot, and uh, I'll I'll mention one, and then you can speak to some of the others. the The, the one that I I think of, uh, we we were talking about theology a few moments ago, so. One of the criteria it talks about is the ability to teach, which doesn't mean that an elder is going to be preaching on stage on a Sunday morning. It doesn't mean that an elder will be preaching at all. But one of the competencies is the ability to to deal with scripture and to be able to to uh, dissect scripture uh, and be able to to unpack it for for people. So you need to be able to. I mean, we we've just been navigating. Several um, theological issues, and we we had better know what those scriptures have to say about baptism, for example, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, and I- interesting in that, uh, just to press into that a little bit, if if members are listening and you know wondering about prospective elders that they could nominate or whether God might be calling themselves to to this type of role, it it doesn't mean, and you can speak to this being an elder for almost a decade, it doesn't mean that your understanding of scripture doesn't grow and change. Correct.
1: Right. But it does
0: mean that you have a rootedness in convictions and you have a a working, solid, contributable understanding of theological issues. Absolutely. That's kind of the tension that we're living in on that. Absolutely.
1: And we will... We will speak to love beyond belief shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: so you know, there's kind of a a, a dance there on the theological. Absolutely. One. Any other uh, just kind of practical competencies that you that you see are important?
1: Yeah, I would throw out a couple. One would be uh, conflict resolution, the ability to sit with people that are in conflict and and navigate that, um, hopefully to a godly resolution where you know all parties are are restored. Um, and the other is the um, the ability to lead. you need, you need to be a leader, right? and everything that that implies, servant leadership where, where people see you as someone that's worthy of directing them to Christ. So we we are looking for people that are already have this leadership capacity or gear where they are leading people in some way, shape or form, whether it's in real terms small you know small group leader or whatever. so. Yeah, the leadership and the conflict resolution would be another couple of uh, competencies I would throw out yeah, there. Yeah,
0: I would say, you know, from my perspective, especially given the conversation that Joan and I had in this environment about the difference between ministry and management versus governance and oversight, um, the 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 gifting, the leadership gifting, particularly of like wisdom and discernment, right. like it's a lot of high level... Kind of bigger picture, longer-term decision making that the board weighs in on. And so the capacity to think, pray, reflect at that level uh is, is certainly a common competence that's that's helpful. And then I, I would say, in addition to that, I think that there are some uh just functional competencies where uh frankly we benefit from a diversity of different gifts around the board table, some that might have you know, acumen in finance. Uh, some might have more of a uh, relational, pastoral sensitivity, and can you know be involved in in. You know visitations or prayer times with people, things like that, and so there, there are actually some practical kind of uh, functional competencies there. Any more that you can think of when you think about our board or what we could need?
1: Yeah, I mean, from a strictly legal safety perspective, uh, you'd, you'd want people that are aware of uh, human resources and how how people are managed on a staff. Uh,
0: Yeah, certainly those kinds of things help. Right. There's there's a lot of organization.
1: Right. There are a lot of practical things as well, for sure. And I I appreciate your um, speaking to the diversity because what you don't want is our eight uh, really caring, loving, pastoral people that have no clue or desire to know anything about finances. On the other hand, you don't want eight people that are just all about the finances, right? So you do want to definitely want a mix. Yeah,
0: and one thing uh, I would share to our membership, just at a, a very personal level, and you've heard me say this often when we've when we've talked as a board, you know, Rock, you alluded to your impressions of boards before you became an elder here at Southridge that they were kind of benign, right. and uh, that that mindset or that uh, distrust, I would even say. Um, isn't non-existent around here, right. some people wonder like, can this board actually govern you? Can this board actually govern the teaching of a Mike Krause? Does this board actually provide those those guardrails? And and for me personally, I, you know that I, I value this as much as anybody. And so one of the kind of, I guess, not so secret now that I'm sharing it, one, one of the not so secret criteria that I tend to look for is, does this person live in a leadership world of some stakes or scale that is in some way bigger or more complicated than Southridge so that Southridge isn't just the biggest thing that they lead. Right. Because if Southridge is unilaterally the biggest and most complicated and most overwhelming thing that they lead, it will be hard for them to get their arms around it and for them to get their head and heart in that oversight position of me. Right. Right? Because I'm involved here in leading Southridge of its scale and complexity. And so you're looking for people, you know, not just leading an organization that's larger, but, you know, maybe they serve on a board of an organization that's larger or they bring a legal competency or, you know, a construction background or, you know, something where they've served in something that is different and ideally of a grander scale than Southridge. So it's not the biggest thing in their world. Um. And so you know that that tends to be something that I'm from a personal level quite quite concerned about. Um, I, I guess final question along this uh, you know would be around the the chemistry and the the cultural values. We'll tie them together. Um, why do those? Why do we have those ingredients at play as well? Why can't we just leave it at character and competence? Why does chemistry and culture matter?
1: Yeah. So we we have used the uh, the phrase DNA uh, around here. Um, and we have a DNA. We we are a certain way intentionally, and we have become a certain way because of our twenty plus years of, of being a church. And uh, it you know to, to to put it crudely, if you don't get that and you don't believe in that and you're not living in that DNA, um, then then you're not going to be a good fit, right? So you so the, to me the chemistry thing is uh, it's twofold. One, it's about um being someone that uh, these other eight people are are gonna feel like they uh, we can work with this person we, we can see it right after you've interviewed him after you've heard about him or her uh, you're feeling like yep we we've got the chemistry we can work with this person but to me the bigger the bigger piece is uh, the DNA piece the the fact that this person gets what Southridge is about and this person um, can plug into that on a Director level, yeah, and this is this is I
0: think very important, Rock, because sometimes uh, there are people who, in some maybe minutia way, or in a full you know whole scale way, wish that we were a different kind of church than we are, right. <clears> and so the fact that we don't have board members who are fundamentally opposing the kind of church that we are is sort of their interpretation of our board not being strong or that board being benign or rubber stamping. And so you're talking about some subtlety here that I think is quite significant where uh, you, you want board members that can bring critical thought to the table and right. can advance the thinking. They're, they're not just right. you know, head nodding kind of people. But at the same time, you, you want people that are tracking with the kind of church that we understand God leading us to become to enable us to be a better Southridge. Not to be a totally different kind of a, of a thing. And so I hope that our members can track with that subtlety so that we can consider, you know, whether it's in ourselves or in, in others that we might nominate, you know, whether they have that kind of cultural chemistry fit, but could maybe enhance that or make it better in, right. in some way. Um, anything else just at a detail level that you'd want to say around the kind of people that we're looking for or your, your hope in this round of, of elder appointment?
1: Yes, I hesitate to say this because what we have said thus far are the main things, right? The, the those qualifications, the competen- competencies, the character; uh, th- those are the main things. Specifically, however, it would be nice to get someone from Welland, um, and it would be because they're not rep- currently represented. Yep. We have people from the other locations. Yep. So that would be that would be a good thing. It would also be a good thing to get. A female, And the reason why I say that, we have done a lot of work, of which I am proud, um, at Southridge around gender equality. And I don't mean to make that sound political. If you break that down, you got to understand that for centuries, the world, since the beginning of time, has been brutally uh, unjust to women. And patriarchal. And patriarchal. Yeah. And it still exists today. There's a lot of, of pain and injustice around gender inequality. We realized here that we didn't want that. We realized also that it wasn't enough to declare that we didn't want that and that we wanted something better and, and to declare that, yeah, to declare that that wasn't good enough. We wanted to do something about it and hence next level leadership. Uh, and Brave Girls, and for those that are listening that don't know what that is, Find out what that is, because it's it's hugely wonderful and important. And and the short version is that we are trying to empower women to to lead. Um, so I say all that to say that ideally we would have half and half on the board, yeah. right? Because it takes both genders to lead well. Yeah,
0: yeah. and it takes both genders to represent a congregation That's of both right. genders, right? right. Absolutely. <laughs> when 50 or whatever percentage of your church. Yeah. Is one gender you'd like to see similar representation, but I will make the disclaimer that the board is not composed of rep by pop, meaning right. <laughs> right. there aren't obligatory you know numbers right. of women or numbers of people of diversity or numbers of certain people from locations. We're looking for a certain quality of person first we're looking for the right person first but i do appreciate that that you know on behalf of the board that we do have those lenses on uh as we're trying to discern and 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 ultimately at this point gang while we're trying to recruit so
1: yeah hence my wording it would be nice
0: it would it would be nice <laughs> absolutely um, a, a few just final practical thoughts, Rock, as we wrap up. Um, for, for members who are listening, who are now a week or so away from engaging in this month of prayer where we would reflect on people that we would potentially nominate, what would you want to say uh, to those of us?
1: What I'd want to say is, uh, recall if you were around um, the last time that Joan did an awesome job pitching uh, the importance of this. So I, I would say to people... Um, this is hugely important. Take it seriously. Um, if you nominate someone, the worst that could happen is that they could say no. So no harm done. The best that could happen is that they would go through the interview process and learn a whole lot, reflect and be better people for it. And the next best thing that could happen is the person that you nominate could be chosen. So so please, please pray Consider, reflect, and if there's someone that you think should be nominated, go and have a conversation with that person and say, hey, I'm thinking about nominating you. What do you think? Yeah.
0: And and presuming in that prayer and reflection that that you believe that they're suitable.
1: Absolutely. This isn't, don't just fill out every member's name and just make work for the board. So the other thing I'd like to draw people's attention to is that there's literature that will help you to discern whether someone is suitable or not. So lean lean into that.
0: Yeah. We have information packages coming up this Sunday that are available Mm -hmm. at our our Welcome Center. Um, You've said some things already, but anything else that you'd want to say for a member who gets nominated as they consider and they reflect on this?
1: So, yeah, for someone that gets nominated, um, it's a delicate dance. So you you want to, it's, I think one, one of the criteria speaks to ambition. I can't remember what the word oh, is. Oh, if,
0: if someone aspires you should aspire, to be an elder, right? Which is, it a, which feels is weird. It's yeah. a
1: weird word because you're like, no, no, you got to be humble. You can't aspire. Yeah, But no, that word is there intentionally. This is something that you should believe that God has called you to and hence, want to do. So the delicate dance is. Um, I remember, I remember getting to that point and being weirded out by. I would like to do this. I really want to do this. But if if this doesn't, if I don't get chosen, I'll be okay with that because God is bigger than this, and God will have chosen the right person. So those are the two things I would say: is uh, is lean into this if if you decide to go through the process. Um, be passionate, lean into it, um, believe that there's a good chance that God has called you, probably, maybe, perhaps. And if it doesn't happen, uh, be big enough to know that maybe not this time, maybe next time, but God God has our best interest at heart and uh, bless, bless the person that gets yeah. chosen.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, Rock, thanks for engaging in this conversation to inform us more about eldership and, and the eldership appointment process. Uh, knowing you and Doris are literally on your way out—not just of the board, but ultimately our church—any uh, final challenges or encouragements that you'd want to share with our members while you've got a shot? Yes,
1: uh, absolutely. <clears throat> it's a—it's a real privilege and honor to have this shot, as you call it. Um, I, I've been—you and I have had this conversation many times. I'm greatly saddened by people who leave and you have conversations with people who leave and they, they'd they been around for a long time and they really didn't have a clue what what or who we were about. So that saddens me and, and my, my recommendation or my shot that I'd like to encourage everyone with is um, lean into what we're about, who we're about, lean into... Uh, membership meetings, lean into these podcasts, have a conversation with an elder. The more knowledge you have about who we are and what we are and what we want to do, the better you will be for it, the better Southridge will be for it, the better the kingdom will be for it. It's a kind of a trust gear that once you know more, you're you're more able and willing to participate in what's going on. So yeah, my encouragement would be to, um, to lean into the opportunities that you have here to grow in Christ and to to serve and to, to grow God's kingdom together with uh, mm-hmm. other people that are, are like-hearted and like-minded. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing,
0: uh, I believe it's in Philippians, the word of the Apostle Paul that says, be unified in thought and purpose be unified in thought and purpose. And I think that that's a great encouragement, Rock. And frankly, the whole reason that we've tried this experiment of this podcast, to try to bring more people into the conversation so that we can be more unified in thought and purpose. And uh, from my end, let me just say thanks to you and to Doris, uh, not just for your service on our Board of Elders. It's been great working with you as a teammate in that regard. Uh, but for just being poster children, church members, and brothers and sisters in Christ. We love you guys. We love your family. We support your decision, even though we don't agree with it. (laughs) Uh, We're going to miss you like crazy and hope to see you around.
1: Likewise. Thank you, Jeff, for, uh, for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor.
0: That's great. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week as we continue to be on this journey together of finding our way. Take care.